This is Shannon Ray Davis, and you are listening to Omega Man Radio. Welcome to my world, the world of the Omega Man. Join us here for the nightly marathon, broadcasting Monday through Friday, and we encourage you to report for duty. Get trained up. War of the Saints is coming. You want to be an overcomer and endure till the end. We will teach you how. We cast out devils. We command healing to the sick in Jesus' name. And we preach the full gospel of Jesus Christ to win souls for Jesus. If you'd like to support this work financially, we have a PayPal button on our website. We have GoFundMe, Zelly, even Take Bitcoin. And we thank you in advance for partnering with us. Our website is OmegaManRadio.com. One more thing before we start tonight's show. To the demons tuning in, we're coming for you, demon. No demon is safe. Everybody, welcome aboard. Welcome back. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, Today is Monday, November 13th, 2023. We're going to do three shows today. First up is Robert Avila coming to you from Sweden. Robert, welcome back. You want to open us in prayer? Oh, great, Tomighty King. We pray, Lord, that you will bless uh, this episode. We pray, Father, you will bless Shannon Davis, his entire family. Uh, the Omega Man Radio Show, and all of the listeners who come here, Father, to draw near to you and to learn to be closer to you. We pray, O oh, great and mighty God, that you will bless us, Father, with every good thing that flows from your throne, first and foremost, foremost <laughs> relationship with you. We praise your great name, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Welcome back, Robert, and we've got this hour together. The mic is yours. Shannon, I read on Facebook that you're writing a book. Well, look, uh, I got to get a book in there somewhere, somehow. You do, and you have motivated me. There, my there should be a, a dozen Shannon Davis books on the <laughs> shelf somewhere. Hey, let me tell you something. I have to give you some kudos. Uh, it's not easy putting together a book, and uh, you're well on your way to doing a whole library, man. How's that coming? Uh, I'm I'm eighty percent through with the the 13th book now the 13th oh. Christian book I have wow two man engineering books yeah that is amazing Bro, yeah that is that is phen- phenomenal uh, congratulations the, the first to you. one is the the first one is the hardest Shannon by far now once you did the first one did um, did you begin to uh, again find it easier to do the other ones build some momentum as you go. Yes, absolutely. Uh, learning how to format and that, you know, learning that the file types are that they want for Amazon versus Google versus Apple are all different. You know, and how do I make that one? <laughs> and what kind of margins do they want? You know, it's like a learning curve. And then you learn to just find out. And then you find out things like, oh, Amazon will make the template for you for free. You know, that like they'll just give it to you. And people make templates and you can download them for free and just use that to write your book. And and then, and or or like me, just learn how to format it according to their desires. And it just becomes much much easier. And with every new book, it becomes easier and easier. Now, Robert, and, and something else I'll recommend to anyone who wants to write is, you know, I try to watch one video, five minutes or ten minutes every day from somebody who's writing, 
how to write more interesting villains, you know, how to give your uh, side characters a backstory or make them relevant, uh, you know, just all kinds of things, you know, um, how to find a, a book topic that will actually sell copies, you know. There, just watch something every day, and after a while, all of your knowledge adds up. You know, you just keep learning, and it's a small investment. You know, you can listen to that while you're walking to the mailbox. Man, that's exciting. And where do they go to get your books? Oh, I have my books are available on Amazon, on a go, uh, books.google.com, and on Kobo Books. Yeah. So uh, Amazon gives the smallest percentage, but they also sell by far the majority, the lion's share of, of e-books and print books. So uh, so they, they can be a little more greedy in their take. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, all my books are there. In fact, right now... Um, uh, my favorite book, 100 Ways God Speaks to You, that one's on sale for 99 cents. And uh, the the time travel book, which is actually based on dozens, dozens of prophetic dreams. Uh, when I, I meant to base it on one, but then as I wrote it, I kept realizing how other how many other dreams were relevant. I, I integrated into the storyline. But that one's called Guardians of Time. And that's these... Uh, these assassins jump back in time to kill Christian mission missionaries uh, before their work begins. And this guy is hearing this voice. He doesn't know it's actually Jehovah God, you know, who's, whom he's sworn to oppose. He doesn't know that. And so he abandons his mission and instead finds himself at this doorstep of one of the FBI agents who are secretly hunting down these time assassins. And that guy's name is Agent Shannon Davis in the story. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm honored, man. That's yeah. pretty amazing. Oh, I had so much fun writing it. Oh, wow. I'll order a copy now. That's exciting. Um, <laughs> are you also on the uh, Apple iTunes store? You know, I, I figured out I, I, I was blocked from creating an account for some time, and then I finally, I've got Barnes & Noble open. I'd never unlocked Apple, but I figured out that this other company, draft to digital that, that they – have uh, working relationships with dozens of other platforms, including Apple Books. And if you just upload to Draft to Digital, they upload your book for you to those other platforms. Oh wow! And then at the end of the month, they send me a report, and they're like, "Ah, oh, you sold one book on you know some company I never even heard of." You know. So man, that's exciting. Uh, last thing. Yeah, I but I haven't uploaded all my books to there yet. I need to do that. I've, I've just forgot about it honestly at this point i'm so excited about writing you know i need to do the other grunt work as well yeah. just to absolutely. format and upload them absolutely yeah. you might even also but, but look what, at the book, um, the, the book you're the book you're writing what is the, the subject okay so i have six ideas for for books and that's just idea stage but the one i plan to do in the next 30 days is going to be a, a small booklet on uh, how to break the generational curses in your life. Based on uh, when the Lord spoke to me in 2005 in a dream. First time and last time I've ever heard audibly from him in a dream, he said, you and your brother Damon have a generational curse you need to break. So it's going to start there with that uh, that word and then the aftermath and um, hopefully uh, illuminate a little bit the fact that many of us have generational curses in our family tree and how to break them in the name of Jesus. So it'll be a, a small book on that subject. And then I have a couple other concepts up on the, you know, up on the uh, bulletin board, if you will, if I'm successful getting that one done. You know, man, it's, it's, a, it's a 
looks like a mountain right now, but uh, you really encourage me with the work you're doing, and uh, I've seen others out there uh, start that process, and I thought, you know what, that's something I've wanted to do for some time, so what the heck, let's get started. <laughs> yeah, I know that one of your other listeners, Tammy, has started uh, publishing some books. Oh, yes. So, yeah. I think, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's something God told me. He said, he said, encourage people to write books, encourage Christians to write books. And he even showed me that um, to go out and find good writers who are writing now, who are Christians, but don't write Christian books, and to encourage them to incorporate you know, Christian themes and features and dialogue and conversations into those stories so that people see and think of Christians in a different way. Because Hollywood has done a dynamic, uh, broad uh, job of attacking Christianity and programming, even through subconscious psychological maneuvers, to program people to not trust Christians and to expect Christians to behave badly. So, I, but that 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 could be three shows. That topic right there. I've I've been watching that for decades. But uh, I, I better get into this topic for let's today, do it. brother. Excellent. Uh, the mic is yours, and folks, if you're just joining us. Evangelist Robert Avila, live. Take it away, my friend. Okay, this topic is called Satan Wants the Youth. So Satan, he wants the youth. He's going after the children before they are born. He goes after them when they're being raised. And at some point in the future, the Satanists actually desire, and they are working their plan now, so that one day all children will be raised by them. Of course, they will be posing as the government, but their goal is they sat down at some point. The thing I read from somebody who said that he knew, you know, he had been an insider and whatnot, is that 500 years ago, somewhere in Germany, these Rothschild families and whoever else calling themselves the Illuminati, the Illuminated Masters, they sat down, they developed this plan. They said, how do we destroy Christianity on the earth? And they say, well, the number one way that people hear about Christ is from their parents. Their parents raise them up in the way they ought to go, and they really don't turn aside when they become adults. So we need to get them when they're young. So the Satanists for more than 500 years have been targeting them when they were young. In this same convention or meeting, what, however long it took, they also decided, like, hey, we can't do this in one generation. This has to be a multi-generational effort. And it needs to move slow so that people don't resist. So you can just say, ah, it's just some small thing that we're changing. And so that even the school system is a part of their plan. And we can see now what has happened. Universities in the United States, most of the major Ivy League schools were started as um, schools to train pastors and missionaries. They don't teach that anymore. Now you go there, you take a mandatory ethics class, and it basically tells you there's no such thing as ethics. Do whatever you want. If you can sell something that you paid $10 for to an old widow on a pension and you can get her to pay you $10,000, that's fair business. That's what the ethics class teaches. You know, there's no such thing as universal ethics they teach. You know, they, so they want to subvert Christian morals and values, and they want themselves to get it. And why do they want to do that? Because all of this sinning, just like uh, Balaam taught the king of Moab, it brings us into God's curses, and then that gets generational curses, as, you, as you're writing about now, Shannon, and this brings the curses into the youth, so this gives them more access to the youth, and once those demons are in, when they start lying on the television, when they start lying in the town square, lying in movies, the demon influenced the person to receive it, so there, there's an attack in the physical place in the form of disinformation and lies. 
But there's also this spiritual component. And this is going to be become important later because uh, what I understand from the testimonies I've heard from other um, evangelists and Christian brethren whom I trust is that when, this, when the mark of the beast is offered, it's going to come with a component of a spiritual attack. So it's not just like they're going to say like, oh, hey, Jane, hello, Charlie. Uh, we want you to take this mark of the beast. It's going to be good for you. You have to deny Christ, of course. But And so they're just going to be talking. So that's the kind of physical realm attack. But demons will be working in the spirit to attack you. I've, I've experienced this one. I mentioned it before on a different show. But I've experienced this before when I was at the VA. They wanted to, they just did a quick study. Oh, are you, uh, did you have any uh, PTSD? Did you have any trauma? Do you have any you know, issues since you've come back from the war? And uh, the answer for me was no. But somehow I wanted to say yes. And I thought, that's bizarre. Like, I, that's not true about me at all. I know other people have had harsh experiences, but even the things that I went through, I knew God was with me and I wasn't afraid and I don't carry anything. And it was really bizarre. And it really came over me like I wanted to just start crying and sobbing. Oh, yeah, I was so terrible. But it wasn't true for me. And I was like, where did that come from? And I realized it was a spirit. And I could feel it. It's very frenetic, like this quivering energy just attacking you. I was like, ooh. And so when I heard this other evangelist talking about, yeah, there was a spiritual component. It was all I could do standing in this line for the mark of the beast. You know, I knew when I got up there, I was going to refuse and that they were going to behead me. He said, but I waited in the line. He said, but they kept offering, you must deny him, they were saying, you know, you to deny Christ. right? And, that, and I think he really hit on something. I don't know if this will happen for everyone, to, that you have to deny Christ. But for him, in his experience, his vision, that's what it was. So, and in all these end times visions that people share, there's this huge common thread through all of them. I don't know where my children were. I was looking for them. Or for some reason, my children weren't there. You know, they just mentioned it. Like, they noticed that they weren't there, but they're not sure why. Because I, I, at some point, I think somehow they're going to take away the children. And then things really become chaotic because they don't want the parents. Um, stealing children, I'm going to get into this in more detail in this, in this hour. But stealing children is something that they want to do because then they want to raise them up into their own corrupt images. Um, in 1857, it's called uh, the Mountain Meadows Massacre. Mormons, this was after Brigham Young had already killed Joseph Smith, the, the, or the Masons did kill him, and they installed Brigham Young to lead the Mormons. The Mormons disguised themselves as Indians and went out and massacred a Christian caravan, stole all their cattle and their wealth, and the children. So this is quite interesting because you see how this anything that's really at its core is a satanic organization or is led by Satanists. This is the kind of thing that the demons want to do. Why? Because now they're going to – so they're just innocent children. If they die, I think all of us expect that child's going to go to heaven. You know, an innocent three-year-old kid, you know, he's going to go to heaven. You know, he didn't have any chance to really understand or make decisions or to sin. So they want to raise them up in a corrupt organization and then let them die in old age or somewhere in between while they're walking in sin walking away from God. And then the devil gets them, right? The devil doesn't want to kill them while they're pure and innocent. No, no, no. no. You got to raise them up into a wickedness and lasciviousness. So they don't want to kill the children. The enemy. He wants to get them. So he wants to wait. So this is something that the devil has done for a long time. When Muhammad 
the land pirate was raiding caravans and murdering, they also always stole the children and raised them up into their own image and likeness and culture. Right? So this is something that the devil wants to do. But it's not just a spiritual thing. There is actually a real-world plan that they want to do this. Many, many years ago, um, I, I watched this interview with a guy who was in MS-13, and then he came out and he got, I don't even know if he, ever, if he got saved or he just became, like, repentant or open, but somebody was interviewing him. This guy was saying, no, we were trained. This is what he said. <laughs> I don't know if it's true. I haven't confirmed it. But um, the, he said that the CIA was training him and other members of MS-13 in South America, and then helping them come into the United States to run drugs and, and guns and other things. And he said that at some point there was going to be a civil war in the United States, and they were told that they would have permission to go out and kill and loot and do other things, but that they had to collect the children and deliver the children to the government. I thought, that's really strange, because I'd heard that one, one time before. And that was from when I lived in Philadelphia, there was a big uh, counterculture that was kind of uh, against the man, you know, against government. You know, there were uh, people called themselves anarchists, but they, they weren't against society. They just didn't want to pay for anything, <laughs> you know, just different groups justifying their behavior. Uh, but, you know, I knew these guys. They came into my store and bought coffee and whatnot. And one of them said, hey, we're going to show this film. You know, you should come over to, you know. Jim's house, and we're all going to watch this documentary. I said, what is it? He said, ah, you think, you know, the government's all good and everything, and you were in the military. He said, but, but wait till you see this. I was like, what is it? He's like, it's a documentary about Waco. I said, oh, sure, why not? I'll come see it. So I went, and there, there was a bunch of people there, and I could not believe the thing. They had, like, live clips of uh, intercepted David Koresh talking to this helicopter pilot and these different agents and they told a very different story than we read in the news very different story and basically um david koresh had bought a, a kalishnikov and the serial number was filed off so he got it for a hundred bucks but he knew he could sell it for a thousand if he could find the serial number so he talked to the guy he bought it from at a market and the guy said oh i bought it from this uh african-american fellow in missouri so he goes to missouri and meets this guy and he's like hey uh where'd you get this gun you know i need the serial number and the guy said uh i got it from bill clinton and he's like what are you talking about and this guy tells this story that some federal agents gave him a warehouse full of ammunition and kalishnikovs and other weapons and told him at some future point and this and it sounds exactly like the ms-13 guy's testimony there's going to be this civil war and you will be given some time to go out you can rape kill loot, do whatever you want some guy you hate you can kill that guy we don't care but bring us all the children and he tells this story to koresh koresh comes back and one of the people in his compound is a hacker, and this guy hacks some government things, and because he has enough keywords to kind of snoop around, he finds something and downloads it and prints it out. So they can't just break into his computer and delete it. The guy printed it out. So they've got to get in there and destroy the printed documents. And when, it, when you see the film, there's this kind of well-known clip of a bunch of guys standing on a roof, breaking into a window on the second, maybe third floor, I don't know, uh, and they get shot. Somebody inside shoots through the wall and shoots the guy on the roof, and he kind of tumbles down. And um, 
apparently that was the room, according to this documentary that I watched, that was the room where this guy went. And they exactly wanted to get into that guy's room to recover everything first and see how much he actually had and how much he might have talked about. And that was why they also had orders to kill everyone and let nobody survive because they did not want that information to get out. So I was like, okay, wow, it's interesting this MS-13 guy is telling the story because that's also what David Koresh said, and they wiped those guys out. So that seems kind of fishy, right? Well, how about last month, this year, October, last month, October 2023, on the 7th, Hamas runs across open, you know, mandatory neutral, neutral zone. Nobody stops them. Climb the fence, start killing people abducting people, going through houses, shooting the dogs, shooting the people, uh, setting explosives to blow doors off safe rooms. And there's no response from the IDF for two hours. So first I started seeing people said, listen, I'm in the IDF. I've served in the IDF, you know, six years, eight years, 27 years, whatever they're saying. They're like, there's no way this could have happened. There's no way this could have happened. And they're all implying that somebody on on the Israeli side collaborated somehow to permit it to happen. And I thought, well, that's interesting that they're saying that. But then I saw an interview with one of the captured Hamas fighters. And this guy is saying, yeah, we were told that we would have two hours to do whatever we wanted and that we were to abduct women and children. So – this is the satanic plot they want to get these children it's kind of like a practice run well if we give them permission uh are they really going to do what we want i don't i I don't know why they did it like this why they did it this way but it's clear that there was some collaboration on both sides to justify bombing out gaza i don't know but if they take all of gaza i will be happy to be honest i won't like the way they went about it but uh, i will be glad so Satan wants the children. Now, have they done this in the past? Have they taken up large numbers of children? Yes, they have. In 1917, 1918, 50 million people died after the end of World War I. Uh, I'm avoiding certain words. And because in some households, both parents died and one or more children survived, almost 200,000 orphans were created in the United States. Now, when I was investigating this issue, I was surprised to learn that historians, there's, there are all kinds of papers and debates on what became of those children. The fact that they went into government care, this is the only thing that people agree on. Where they went after that, nobody knows. They went to, so they were given to homes in Europe. They went to work crews on the West Coast. It's really nobody knows for sure what happened to 200,000 orphan children. Nobody knows what happened to them. So there there is wickedness going on in this world that that many children could just disappear and nobody knows where they went. So the Satanists are after the kids. They Maybe they raised them up to be like their own selves. Maybe they put them into Satanist households. Maybe they really did go into uh, homes with other families. We don't know. Right now in Russia, what's happening? Let me tell you some of the testimony. And you won't read this in the paper, but when, you, when you're connected with different people, different groups that are in Ukraine and Kiev, then you start to hear things. 
in Mariupol. So Mariupol is bombed flat. You can go look at pictures right now. But what happened is before they would, the Russians would bomb out not one block, but a three-by-three three grid of, of nine city blocks. They would bomb it out. But first they would go in and take away all the children. Then they bombed it and burned it. So now they have the children, and, and, and most likely anybody who knows that these children weren't in those houses that are now piles of broken block and ash – Nobody knows that the children aren't beneath that rubble, so no one knows the Russians have them. The first report I heard that the Russians were taking children out of eastern and southern Ukraine said 200,000. Later reports said 50,000, then 30, then 3, then 2,000. The numbers kept dropping. But the fact that they are taking children, even the Russian government has admitted this. Oh, we adopted them out. They're closed adoptions. You can't know who has them. So the Russians are taking children now. And, and, and this is one of the factors that I point to. This is, this is the beginning or this is a, a, a great step forward in the advancement of Satan's war. This World War III, it's more popularly called, I call it Satan's war. And he, they are killing the Christian pastors in the lands they captured, this Russian army. And it's not just the Russians. People say, oh, it's Russians against NATO and everything. No, the Russians have the Kazakhs on their side. They have the Chechens on their side. Even ex-president of Kadrov is ex-president of Chechnya. He's leading an army of Chechens inside Ukraine. <laughs> no, Russia has uh, a little mini coalition of their own. No, no, these are just volunteers. You know, that's, that's the idea. Ukraine has volunteers, a couple scrappy guys that came on their own dime, bought their own ticket, everything else. No, no, they don't have national support, a whole nation behind them. So whole battalions arriving together intact. It's a very different thing. So all these examples just show like there is a very real plan that Satan wants these children. Well, the green agenda, what's that about? I've heard people say, and I've heard people who were on the inside say, listen, this is what they're doing. I can't believe that this is happening. When I understood what was happening, I immediately quit this job and I came out now. I'm trying to use my life to warn people about what's happening. The, the goal is that they're going to start making up this big deal. Well, carbon is destroying the world and we need to limit carbon. And then at some point in the future, they're going to say, well, carbon really is something produced by people. Like they produce waste, like one person uses so many diapers as a child, and then he consumes so much food and that, and, and uh, goods, and those goods were produced in factories that produce carbon, and producing food produces carbon for, you know, uh, burning tractor fuel and everything else. So carbon can be defined as per person. And then if you need to limit carbon, well, you need to limit people. And if what if that number is less than one child per household? Then how do you do it fair? Well, nobody gets any children. So maybe you can give birth to a child as a kind of a commitment to – and I've, I've read this actually in New Age books, New Age fiction stories, that this is how their, their future looks like, the future they imagine. People don't raise their own children. They just give birth to them. You draw, and I think it was like this in um, uh, Logan's Run the old Logan's Run TV series as well. Somebody gave birth to a child, and then they you know, handed it right over to the government, and the government raised it. You know, Logan's Run is like an example kind of fantasy, Satan's fantasy for the future, right? It's what they want. 
that they raise the children, they teach the children. And the main goal behind that is that they will not tell them about Jesus. It's just like in college now. You go, like I said, you have to take a required ethics course, and they teach you how to have no ethics. And then you go to a religious class, and what do they teach you? Well, in this you know 400-page book, there's maybe one and a half pages, maybe three paragraphs on Christianity, three chapters on Buddhism, seven chapters on Islam, you know, everything else they're teaching, but they don't teach you about Christian Christianity. Why? They don't want to, well, if you ask them, they say, oh, well, everybody knows about Christianity, but they don't. They don't. So, uh, this is what they're doing. They're, they're controlling what people think. They're leading people away from Christ. They want them to live corrupt lives. They want to get these demons in. That further helps them to pursue their goal. Uh, they can, the demons can exhibit, uh, institute mind control, block people from understanding the gospel of salvation. Uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, if you have a loved one, a child that's away from Christ, you're praying for them and they're not getting set free. I've heard so many testimonies on the power of this simple thing. In the name of Jesus, I command every spirit that's blocking my child's mind, my loved one's mind, I command you, get away from him. God desires for all men to turn from their evil ways, and truth comes from hearing. So these people must be able to hear and comprehend and understand the gospel of salvation and their need for a Savior. So you must release his mind that he can hear that gospel. People get saved in days after that, after decades of, of no fruit, just commanding those mind-blocking spirits away. So they want to get the demons in to do that work, to block their mind, so that they will reject the truth and receive the lie. The lie is true. You know, the, the devil helps them make that. You know, I, when I was in Philadelphia, I got into so much New Age garbage, and I, looking back, I can feel it. You know, you see the numbers, you're like, oh, these numbers mean something. They mean nothing. Oh, I've seen this number several times today. Oh. And then you can make the number mean anything you want just by adding and subtracting, dividing in a certain way. It's very liberal, you know, this kind of numerology thing, this new age version of it. And it can mean anything you want. Oh, it means I should ask this girl out. Oh, it means I should take this business deal. It means I should go over to I should go to this party, not that one tonight. <laughs> I'm telling you, the demons. Once you start opening the doors to the idiocy of this world, all the and it's offered everywhere. It's offered on every platform where you go, and they want to get it to the children. You know, holy Holy Spirit's reminding me now. Like, um, I my nephews and nieces would come over to our house and, and I would let them use my iPads to watch cartoons and find these cute little Masha and, and the bear cartoons and they're watching these. And I come back in five minutes and it's some witchcraft show like every time. And so I would stand behind her and watch and it wouldn't do that. But then when I wasn't there, it would do that. I was like, the tablet knows that an adult is present and doesn't give it to them. But when there's no adult, it, it quickly moves them over <clears throat> to watch some witchcraft because they want to get that in. So again, this is another way they want to get at the youth is through the screen. Uh, years ago, there was a prophecy. Uh, this was on um, Watchman's Cry with Nathan Liao, his website. He used to have a great forum there with a lot of fantastic fellowship. Um, and some woman came on there and she said, you know, I was praying and I was like, Lord, what are they trying to do to the youth? 
And the answer she got, the Holy Spirit told her, he said, if you want to know what they're planning, go and watch the movies that they market to children. Because at the time, you know, I was working at home and I, I, I like to go see a $5 matinee in the afternoon. So I thought, I'm going to go see the ones that they're offering to kids. So I was living in California. I'd go down there and uh, watch a movie. And I was shocked at the fact that there was a common theme in the movies that I went and saw. And it was like this. This is how it was, Shannon. Uh, they'd say, oh, there's an enemy. And they came from somewhere far away. We don't know about them. That's an ancient enemy. Or it's an enemy that comes from another dimension. It's an enemy that comes from another planet. And we can't fight them. What are we going to do? Oh, we're doomed. Oh, we're doomed. What will we do? And then from somewhere comes a different multidimensional extraterrestrial origin, right? But not earthlings. And they're like, oh, we're the good guys and we're going to help you. And then they help them overcome. And in all these movies, somehow there's some kind of a uh, time portal that explains how they get to Earth or how the heroes arrive at some distant place to attack them. Uh, a lot of these are cartoons. There was a superheroes cartoon with Batman and Superman. Uh, they have to go through a time portal and go to a, a, a distant planet called Hell. And, of course, it's burning with lava, and the people there look like demons, right? But they're, of course, misunderstood and whatnot. And it's just so ridiculous. And then they have to get the help of some other race of extraterrestrial beings in order to do what they need to do and save Earth. But they also have these movies for adults. The Transformers movie series is just like that. Good aliens, bad aliens. I I forget what they call them, the – uh, Megatron and his team, and then the leader of the of the, the bad robots, who has of course one left eye, which makes him look like the Antichrist. Right, that's who he symbolizes. But once the good guys beat the bad guys, they say, "Well, you know, those bad guys they destroyed our pl- destroyed our planet too. Can we stay here and live with you?" And, the, and I just see this idea. I don't know this for a fact, but the, but the idea is, hey, why not let these creatures? wherever they claim that they come from, why not let them live on the surface of the earth with us? We could just share the earth. After all, we would have been defeated if it wasn't for these guys. But both teams play for the same master, and that's Satan slash Lucifer. There's no good aliens. There's no bad aliens. They're all, it's going to be demons playing roles. And I've seen in dreams that they will have uh, humans serving in their army, and and we will the media will say they're aliens, but it will be humans. He, the Holy Spirit showed me a dream when one of these was killed, and everybody was saying they're aliens. They're wearing this all black armor, black uh, armored face masks, everything. They said they're aliens, but one is killed. He removes his helmet, and it's a Russian man. And I was like, ah, okay. <clears throat> So now you're hearing these stories like, oh, all these Russian soldiers are dying and their bodies are being burned. I'm just wondering, like, is that true? Is that really true? (laughs) You know, I don't know. Somehow they're going to get this army and all these children disappeared 100 years ago. Uh, 400,000 British, I'm sorry, German soldiers were captured by the Russians and only 6,000 were returned. What happened to all the others? Oh, well, they died in uh, labor camps. Maybe, maybe they didn't. I don't know. Maybe those guys are somewhere. I don't know. But um, ah, Holy Spirit's reminded me of this story. Uh, when I was in the Marines, I was like 
all hard charge and i was like all jar headed out and i like really loved the marines and i you know i still have a uh i still love the marine corps honestly <laughs> and, and um you know i was like marine of the year and whatnot and this guy he really took a shine to me he's like oh man i'm gonna teach you you know how to like and he would always try to ambush me and things so that i developed this sense of awareness you know and uh he was always teaching me things and, he, and this guy had just come back from he said he rewrote the training for all of the special forces like he was on this committee that did that and um we were marching down to this uh commissioning for a new gymnasium on the back side of the base and uh he pulled me aside he said he said this guy right here he said how'd he die i said oh their helicopter crashed they were using night vision and they lost two helicopters off a ship during training exercises he said have you heard of that accident before i said yeah i've heard that accident several times i said uh, there's a problem with the the night vision he says no nah, no nah. he said the marines would stop doing this exercise if it was really killing he said those guys they didn't die he said they went to a secret agency he said there's like an off the books army and those guys went to join that so they're all their loved ones are told they're dead you can never tell this is real this is real people it's not something from the movies i'm talking about a story from my real life where a guy that was inside is telling me that this is how it works they receive a bunch of money. They can do. All, they get all these advantages, right? That you can never be charged with crimes and this other stuff. And uh, you go and join this other secret army. And I remember, like when they were invading Iraq and things like, oh, the Iraqis are saying that they uh, captured these three Americans. The Americans are saying we've lost one guy. And I was like, yeah. So who are the other? Who are the others? Where they come from? Why aren't they in the books? Right. And it's because, uh, yeah, so th there is so much going on that the common man doesn't know about. And I think a lot of the people that are serving the satanic agenda have no idea that that's what they're doing. And it's because that's how they want it. Only after you've been inside this organization for an extended period of time and your entire life is intertwined. Like this is the way they do it in the Mormon church. They don't bring out the Book of Mormon. When they come to your door, like we're preaching Jesus, Right. They, uh, they wait until someone has been I, – I, this one woman, she said, I didn't know about the Book of Mormon until I'd been a Mormon for six years. She said, all my friends, the people that I was in the reading club with, uh, the, the company I worked for was a Mormon company. My whole life was tied into the people and that church. She's like, it wasn't easy to break away. And they do that on purpose. The Freemasons, same thing. It's a Satanist tactic. They want to get people in, get them all tied in so you can't break the ties. So Satan, he's going after the youth. Another thing they do, <clears throat> and this, I, I recently, I'm going to tell you this story that happened. I, I was praying earlier this week, Shannon, you know, Lord, what, what's the message? And Saturday and Sunday, God did something, and I'm going to share that toward the end of this show. But first, I want to go back to this um, on Watchman's Cry, back in the 2000s, somebody was saying, oh, there's some children that committed suicide in our town. And uh, she's like, I can't, you know, we're praying here. We don't understand what's happening. And there were two other people that were members of that thread. They came in. They said, listen, we've dealt with this before. And so it's two people. So now you get like you're kind of, you've had two testimonies. You got to take it to God and say, is this true? And they both say, listen, when, when the... Uh, suicide starts to increase in a place the first thing you should look for is a new coven that came into town so this woman started praying and we and several of us we prayed along with her 
and this coven became exposed, like it became exposed and they were forced to leave town. And so they had had two suicides already and people were saying, well, you know, they usually come in three, so let's try to save this third one. And so there was never a third suicide. This coven got run out of town. And um, so it was a small community. And once they became exposed, they couldn't stay around. So uh, Saturday night, I was praying and the Holy Spirit shows me this dream. And there's like a table. I'm seated at this table. And somebody comes and delivers this message. And when that person walks away, I say, this message was from God. And I can see God standing behind. I'm speaking to the leader of this place. And uh, I, I, I look and I quickly ask God, I'm like, well, can I share this testimony? He says, yes. And so I tell them this testimony of what had happened to me a few weeks ago. And the conclusion was, you need to pray for the youth of this town. So uh, I, I don't always go to church, but in the morning when I woke up, the Holy Spirit was pushing me like, you're going to church, you're going to church. And I said, okay. So I went to church, and um, my friend Florence, she gets up. Uh, she's from Ivory Coast, <laughs> just a, the great, one of the, the greatest people you ever meet, the kindest. And she gets up there, and she says, listen, I, you, know, you all know that I work in the medical profession, and I also sit on the board of the local commune. And she said, um, we got this report for the whole Uppsala region, and our little uh, district is the worst performing of all. And basically what's happened is a lot of people have been sick in recent in the recent two years, and all of this sickness has increased costs for the government because the government covers these things. And um, also, because they're sick, they're not working, and so the economy is down. So this is like a financial strain on the local governments. But she said also in this report, it comes out that a lot of the youth are now uh, dealing with suicidal thoughts. And there have been some attempts and even some successes, which is interesting because I've never heard about this before. And this is like a small kind of a village. But apparently that there have been two young girls who committed suicide around here. And um, so I was like, okay, wow. And when she walked off the stage, I was like, that's the scene from my dream. The person delivers the message and it's from God and God wants me to confirm it. Like, yes, this message is from God, right? So I realized, like, okay, I need to go and speak to the leader of the church, who is our friend uh, Hogan, who calls himself Brother Hogan, by the way. He, he doesn't take uh, titles, which makes him uh, bah, one of the good ones in my book. So uh, I go and I tell him, I'm like, listen, this is what God showed me. And I said, and here's my testimony. And, and this is what happened to me. And I was so... I was confounded what happened. I was like, what just happened? But I was riding the bus home from Uppsala to here to the village. And uh, somewhere along the way, like three young people, two ladies and uh, a guy, they're probably about 16, maybe 17, get on the bus. And they're laughing and having a good time. But I was working on a book, right? So I like didn't pay much attention. And one of them fell into the seats where I was seated and uh, like caught herself by posting an arm to my shoulder and i just glanced at that like i didn't care because <laughs> she just kept going right no sorry nothing because she was these 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 guys were drunk so you know more and more people get off the bus and we're getting close and i see the sign you know for the first stop in our village and um i look down and i'm start i want to finish the paragraph and put my things away and suddenly i look up and the bus is stopped on the highway and i'm like really disoriented like what what has happened you know <laughs> what what is happening here and the guy jogs past me, drops his things, starts picking them up, and he looks at me and says, Vim must the 
was like, why do we have to hop out? He's like, uh, we must hop out. I was like, okay. So I grabbed my things and he runs down and I, in the middle of the bus where the doors open and everybody disembarks, the floor is all wet there. And I just saw that I stepped around it and I get off the bus and I'm yelling at the driver. I'm like, Hey, you know, will you go to, you know, the, the Tokstahone? He's like, nay. I was like, Maybe I said it wrong. I'm like, hey, so I repeated it. I, you know, with better enunciation. I'm like, hey, well, are you gonna go to the, you know, the the main center central station? He's like, nay. <laughs> and the kid's like, come on, you know, we 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 have to jump out. I was like, all right. So I jump out, and these girls are running. There's right on this. It's a major like four lane highway, and there's this huge ditch. It's no joke. It's like three meters down to the bottom, and then three meters up on the other side, and. uh I guess it's to collect all the snow they plow off in the winter, but these girls run down it and so does the guy and the one girl and the guy run up the other side. And I just thought, well, I'm just going to walk back down to the main road that enters the town. And, and I see this girl kind of stumbling about a bit. And I just think, well, you know, I, I'm obliged to ask if she needs help, but she won't. So I, you know, I said, like, can I, can you yelp a day? And she's like, yeah i was like oh man now i gotta now i gotta help this person walk home i was like whatever it'll take me however much time right but i'll just help her walk home and make sure she gets home okay so i start walking down the thing and when i get to the bottom of this ditch the girl starts to pull her pants down so immediately i did it about face and i'm immediately extremely uncomfortable but i'm thinking like you know i just you know uh, uh, we have like a protector mode and this like protector mode came over me like this girl is not okay and her friends have left her and she could sit in this ditch until morning or worse stagger out into the highway and get hit by one of these cars and i was like man i can't i can't leave out of here but i definitely don't want to stand here so i'm standing at the top of the hill on the side of the road and um you know i, I wait a couple minutes i'm like are you okay and i look back and she's still just sitting on the grass and i'm assuming that her pants are still down and um but she's not doing that i'm like okay maybe she just is peeing and then she's gonna stand up and come up here and i will help her walk home i don't know so i just started praying i was like lord you know what can i what can i do here and i was like uh, i was like lord help me and then this idea came in like i need to yell for her friends to come back so i just yelled as loud as i could you know like uh, not the best Swedish. I was like, friends, friends, you know, you must come back here again. <laughs> and out of the shadows on the other side emerges the other girl. I'm like, oh, hallelujah, right? And she comes up and she looks down and sees her friend with her pants down, immediately gets really angry at me, which of course makes my awkwardness and my apprehension only increase. And she's like, but I also was like, great this girl is on her friend's side like great she's gonna i don't mind that she's against me because she doesn't understand that i'm trying to make sure this girl's okay she's like you can you you can go now you do must go <laughs> I was like okay and i was like fine fine but can you help her and when i said that she had registered like oh okay this guy is an ally not an enemy and um she's like oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry but after all of this, like I really, like, I was praying. I was like, "Lord, why did you let that happen to me?" Like I was so uncomfortable. You know, I didn't want to be there. And he was like, and he just opened my heart, and I saw like, "Wow, these youth are in so much trouble." Like we need to pray for the youth. And this was several weeks ago. And so I tell this to the pastor. I'm like, and now this whole we've had this message today from Sister Florence, and you know, now we need to focus. We need to really pray for these youth. Like it's a big deal. Like they have the highest suicide rate 
in the region, like in this little village. And then I told him, I remembered this old thing from the Watchman's Cry form. I said, you know, when suicide comes up, I said, usually it's because somewhere somebody is practicing witchcraft. And he said, yeah. He said, there's a two-day convention now here in our town, you know, at the Folk House. You know, in the Viking days, they used to have the, the Great Hall. Well, they still have the idea, but it's called the Folk Huset. And every town has one. You can rent out the rooms. You can reserve them and have whatever you want, right? Because it's it's a – basically, it's as well, like they say it's socialist, and people will get mad here if you say it's communist. But it's all based on communes, and it's like the best version of communism you could possibly imagine. That's what they've constructed here in Sweden. And there's a, a group that – what used to call themselves communists and they're like rate increasing in popularity in recent elections. So it's, it's not like it's not communist, right? They're definitely the leans. And I've heard, I've heard it said that um, uh, socialism is like the gateway to communism, but whatever is happening, uh, there are these elements of anything goes as long as it's wicked, right? Because the true heart of communism is Satanism. Karl Marx was a Satanist, not an atheist, as I was taught in high school. Uh, and he didn't, he's not the inventor of communism. He learned from another Satanist, a Jesuit from Rome named Frederick Engels, which, by the way, is the name of one of the airports in Russia where they launch all the missiles and kill innocent people. It's called Frederick Engels Airport. So the communism is still alive in Russia as well. So, and the other city that they send troops from is called uh, Belgorod, which means Baal's city. That's what it translates to. So Satanism and communism really go hand in hand. So here you have these witches. I'm like, youth suicide is tagged with an active group of witchcraft or occultist somewhere. And boom, he's like, yeah, they're... There's a two-day meeting going on to now, this weekend. So that's what's happening. So God knows what's happening, and he counters. So this is why we need to always be listening to God. We always have to be listening to God, right? Now, the enemy is sneaky. They will pretend to be our allies, but, they, but you have to seek God because he knows what the real agenda is. So years ago, 2018, 2019, I did a series of videos on... Uh, YouTube called Prayer to Change the World. And I would just start an open meeting. People would log in and we'd just pray for 15 minutes on certain topics that were relevant. And one of them was prayer against child trafficking. That, the popularity of that video has skyrocketed ever since Caviezeli's uh, film, The Sound of Freedom, uh, came out in theaters. Now, why are the, the Satanists hide everything they're doing? Some wicked person, as long as he sticks with their agenda, they will let that person serial rape, serial kill, and they will hide it all for decades until the guy's great-grandchildren have passed away. They'll, they won't let anybody know about it. But when, they, but when somebody crosses them, uh, like, for example, Bill Cosby starts saying, hey, it's, not, it's, uh, it's about culture. We have a problem with culture. They went and murdered his son for a few dollars. He was mad. His only son was murdered by a thug. And Bill Cosby said, we need to change our culture. And wow, the powers that be do not want that message out. And suddenly, 
Bill Cosby like raped a whole bunch of people. How was that all hidden? Uh, the minimum is that he really did it, uh, and they kept it all hidden. And when he crossed them, they they brought it out. But it's also very possible that, like they did to Donald Trump when he ran for president, they said, "Oh, he raped sixty women," and then as soon as he won, all that went away. When John Todd defected from Satanists and started telling about all their evil plans with the music industry and everything else, uh, suddenly he was accused of serial raping one hundred women. The sheriff of that county came out and said, I didn't even know this was going on. <laughs> of course you didn't, because it's a lie. <laughs> Wake up, dude. Figure it out. So this is the kind of things that they do. They falsely accuse people. They want to control the message. And that message is that uh, evil is good and good is bad. Right. So the sound of freedom comes out. So what's the real goal? So how if the Satanists are doing all these horrible things to children. Apparently this uh, video with Hillary Clinton and, and Uma Habedin, whatever her name is, uh, is now on the dark web and people are watching or whatever. And uh, well, uh, torturing a child to death, right? So um, if they're really doing that stuff, how are they now exposing it? Why are they? Because it's part of the end times agenda. Oh, when they when the mark of the beast comes out, they're not just going to say like, "Hey, if you want to submit to the beast and get to eat and have a job, then you got to take this." That's not how they're going to present it. In one man's vision, when he gets to the table, it's, this is the same vision I shared earlier, where there's like a spiritual attack on his mind, trying to press him to take the mark. He gets up there, and they have this fire, and it says "101 reasons." to take the mark. And one of the reasons was to prevent child abductions. And that's why they're magnifying this now. I remember when I was in California in high school, some friends of mine went out and it was like a thick fog. I mean, you could not see across the street and they were, they got out and urinated on the sidewalk and the police happened by and arrested them. They got convicted of indecent exposure and they had to go on the same list as pedophiles. I forget what the generic term is, right? Like, you know, though they expose themselves in public, right? Like that's a sex act, but they're just taking a pee in the park. That's it. And later I heard someone say like, again, an insider who comes out and can't believe what's happening and tries to warn everybody. And they're saying, no, they're inflating the numbers so that people will think that this issue with pedophiles and everything else is far larger than it really is. And, and that person said what they're going to do is they're going to start putting maps in the police station and letting people know, like, hey, there's a pedophile, you know, like five doors down from you. So that people will start fearing it so that they will agree to let the pedophiles get chipped with the mark of the beast so that you can track them. That they will agree to let um, uh, violent criminals be chipped. Oh, they let the violent criminals out early and the first thing to do is go kill somebody, but they couldn't prove it, right? Well, we would have been able to prove it if he'd been chipped, right? So they're going to they're gonna start making excuses, and they're going to start with fringe groups that nobody will like. Oh, the pedophiles, pff, I don't care what you do with those guys. Violent criminals, murder, serial killers, yeah. Chip, chip those guys ten times if you want. That's what people will say. And again, another insider, an intern who actually worked for the Council of 13 in Brussels, she told me, she said, and then they will chip the soldiers. They will talk about friendly fire. They'll make this into a big deal, and then they want to 
get the chip into the soldiers. And this is what they're doing. But the, but Satan has this major objective to get the children. Man, I have so many more notes here. Um, they're also killing children with abortion rituals. Uh, you can look up Zachary King. This guy was an ex-Satanist. He became a Catholic. I'm not sure uh, if that sounds to me like out of the frying pan into the fire, but he published a book. I think it's like the enemy's answer to, you know, um, oh, Blaine, I forgot his name just now. Uh, okay, anyway, uh, uh, who's the guy who came out of Satanism a few years ago? Eh, I, I can't remember. He wrote Out of the Devil's Cauldron, anyway. Oh, uh, John, John Ramirez. Ramirez. Yeah, John Ramirez. So, so after John Ramirez, suddenly the Catholics come out with Zachary King. The, I, I just felt like, ah, it's their answer to that. You know, like, oh, we got one, too. <laughs> And so, but Zachary King wrote about how he did uh, 300 to 400 abortions starting when he was 13. Like he was in there. He said, you just have to get the blood on your hands. It could be from the mother. It could be from the children. Uh, you know, he said, it's a satanic ritual. And even the Satanists claim that. They've put up billboards claiming in, in Florida, in Texas, hey, you don't, there's no waiting period for an abortion because it's a, it's, a, it's a religious ritual, and here's a form. You can download it from our site, fill it out, give it to them, and they have to honor it, and you can get an abortion immediately, except it also says that the child is a sacrifice to Satan. <laughs> you know, that's what, you're, that's what they're signing up for. So there are all these things, and uh, I looked it up years ago when I, somebody wrote to me. He said, listen, I, I worked for six years in an abortion clinic. He said, I finally couldn't take it anymore. He said, I quit. He said, the, he said, except for me, and he was describing himself as a new ager, but he said now, you know, from what he saw, he needed to get out of, abandon all that, and he wanted to come to Christ. And um, he said that they were all Satanists, and they would go into a closet before the abortion, and they had little devil idols set up there, and they would burn candles, and they would say, oh, we're offering this blood to you demons, and then they'd go in and perform the ritual sacrifice basically and some years after that is when they passed a law that said okay if a, if a, if a child is born still alive then you need to put it on a shelf in the closet and let it die there why because they're putting it at the foot of their little devil idols that's what's happening so they are they want to either kill the children or control them right and, and this is what they are doing uh, God has been warning people about it. People have followed up on it. And now you have this uh, LGBTQ thing. Here's, here's the stats. Uh, people born before 1945, 1.7% identify as uh, lesbian, gay, or trans. The boomers, 2.7%. Generation X born from 65 to 80, 3.3%. So almost double, you know, from uh, whatever, 20, 30 years before that. But then suddenly, the millennials, born 80 to 96, it leaps to 11.2 percent. Gen Z, 97 to 2004, 19.7 percent. Almost one in five identifying as gay, lesbian, trans, or confused. So the devil is out there working. He's on TikTok. He's on YouTube. Uh, he controls the algorithm that decides what your kid gets to see when you are not present. The devil is working overtime. He's working in every avenue because he doesn't have the guarantees that God does. When God speaks a word, that's it, done deal. The devil does not have that power. So he has plan B, C, D, Q, X, double X, Q, X, Y, 15, as many plans as he can afford to put into place. Uh, he's working. 
All right, people. This is Robert Avila. Uh, praise God. Good That's work. what you need to do. We, we all need to seek out God, draw near to God, pray, pray in tongues, seek the gifts of the Spirit, because things are happening now in this world we don't understand, but God knows. The Holy Spirit, you can pray in tongues and crush something you had you couldn't even have conceived of that is being uh, plotted against us, against our neighbors, against our communities. So we need to be in prayer regularly on a daily basis, standing in the gap. And the way we make that effective is by drawing near to God. And something God has really been pushing me uh, to understand lately is the importance of seeking God's plan for your life, walking in that, and in general, living a good, clean life. That's when the blessings flow, when we're living in that purity, living in holiness. Uh, the gates, the windows of heaven will open up and fill your glass to overflowing, my friend. Fantastic. Brother Robert, what would you like to title today's program? Satan Wants the Youth. Okay. And how can people contact you and support your ministry? Um, I... I'm Robert A. Avila on Facebook um, for support. PayPal. Uh, my email is robertavila at email.com. E as in electronic mail, not, not Google mail. Email.com. robertavila at email.com. Uh, donations, of course, always appreciated. And uh, you can buy some books. Somebody went, and I know it was somebody who heard me say this once before on your show, Shannon. Somebody went and bought a copy of every book. I was so happy. <laughs> so thank you, person, anonymous person. I don't know who it was. Uh, but yeah, somebody went and bought a copy of every book. That was absolutely fantastic. You know, when books sell, it the algorithm boosts their ranking and shows them more to more people, which means that more books will sell in the end. So, so buying books from your favorite Christian authors and evangelists uh, helps them uh, move their books and move their and promote their messages. So, so thank you, person. Absolutely. Folks, we'll have this uploaded quickly. And Robert, again, if someone wants to contact you, you have an email? Uh, yeah, robertavila at email.com. robertavila at email.com. I thought you were on yep. Proton Mail also, or am I mistaken? I, I am. It's uh, I think it's kjkp at Proton Mail, but I, okay. I probably haven't checked that in six weeks. Well, check your email because I sent you one yesterday, and I wasn't sure if <laughs> I have the right one. Okay. Okay, just double-check yeah, it. Will do. Sounds good. Brother, thank you for coming on. God bless you, and uh, we'll see you yeah, next time. Yeah, be blessed, brother. Thank you, sir. Love you. Bye. Love you, too. Folks, stay tuned. We've got Betsy Pelletieri coming up next. We're dialing as we speak. Here we go. I'm going to save this program. We'll be right back. Get ready to refresh. 